0: Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> now my watch is broken, too. <laughs> With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. No, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. <laughs> a new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give up a show. Tonight, 8, 7 Central, on CBS
1: the most sense for charlotte we'll get to all that right now with our buddy chris patola espn college basketball analyst uh sirius xm acc network as well he's all over the place sharing his wisdom and he's back with us on the technicom hotline chris how you been buddy i'm good kyle what's up brother i'm trying to figure out which of these prospects i like the most for the hornets and they, i mean i like a couple of these guys a lot and i'm going to start with james wiseman we got a very small sample size of him at memphis he played just three games but I mean, those three games were pretty impressive, Chris. If you're sizing up James Wiseman as, as part of the Hornets' front office, what what are the pros and cons? What are you thinking about his game?
0: Well, the first thing you have to realize is he, he would you would be drafting him, um, expecting his early impact to be defense, running the floor, uh, rim running, blocking shots, you know, more of a defensive impact. Um, he's got a long way to go offensively. Uh, you know anybody who watched him in high school? Because as you said, we didn't get a huge sample size when he was in college. Anybody who watched him in high school, uh, it was spotty. You, you know, and at seven one it, it, with his length, I mean, he does have tremendous. He's about seven four wingspan. You know, you're, you're going to get a lot of things done in high school just because you're so much bigger and you know, in some cases stronger than than other dudes who are playing in high school, but. Uh, he, you know, there were times he wanted to kind of be a Dirk Nowitzki-esque kind of a guy with a little fall-away perimeter type of a game, and that's just not not who he was going to be in college, and, and it's certainly not who he's going to be in the NBA. So uh, I like him, Kyle, as a prospect. Uh, he's got a long way to go in terms of what anything he'd be able to do for you offensively, um, but in terms of just physical projection and physical ceiling and, um, you know, there's a reason he's you know, considered in the top three, because all of the physical intangibles, the things you can't teach, uh, he, he certainly has those. He's a, he's a tremendous athlete with really, really good physical gifts.
1: Chris, I was talking to uh, Seth Greenberg on Friday about Anthony Edwards. Vegas has him as a slight favorite to be the first overall pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves. At this point, I I expect he probably will be, but I mean, this draft is so wide open, it's hard to know anything for certain. But Seth specifically told me on Friday, he said, don't love Anthony's feel for the game. He said, I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's necessarily great. And I'm inclined to agree with him, but I want your professional opinion on Anthony Edwards as the the potential number one overall pick. Yeah,
0: well... Okay, here's the thing. In, in feel, I think you could go up and down this, certainly the lottery, Kyle. And and look, Seth is great. I'm not trying to impugn his opinion. But I, I think to pinpoint feel it is really tough in an NBA draft that for the last, you know, go back eight years, for example, uh, has been much more of a projective enterprise than it has been or, or a much more of a predictive, projective enterprise than it has been looking at guys who have arrived so again you could go up and down the lottery this year and say well that guy doesn't really have a good feel here's my problem with anthony edwards edwards uh, i did a couple of their games this year and then in other games i watched there were long stretches kyle where you didn't even realize he was on the floor
1: yeah
0: like he disappeared a lot And in a college game where the talent is, I mean, we know it's not nearly what it once was. If you can't, you know, have your name called frequently in a college game and you're projected to be the number one pick, that doesn't jive for me a lot. Um, You know, even as bad as Ben Simmons' teams were or, or as bad as, you know, Markel Fultz's teams were those guys, you were calling their name a lot. Like they, they just didn't disappear. And that's the one thing, you know, whether you call it, call it apathy or, you know, his motor is probably not where people want, again, a product of being young, a product of being a, a young prospect. Uh, but, but just from a talent perspective, the thing that bothered me is he would just disappear. So um, look, I, I think he ultimately probably has the highest feeling of, of all these guys that we're talking about in the lottery. But what I think people need to understand about this particular draft is that the floor that a lot of these guys are starting at is a lot lower than what we've seen in the last couple drafts. You know, obviously Zion, John Morant, I would throw Deandre Ayton in there. Those guys were starting at a floor that was significantly higher than any of these guys we're talking about in the top five this year.
1: Chris Patola, ESPN college basketball analyst. He's with us on the Technicom hotline. I, when it comes to LaMelo ball, I, I feel like it's just so polarizing. I get somebody telling me they think his court vision's incredible, his length is, is so attractive, and that he's the best ball brother, he loves playing the game, that he's got to be a top-two pick. And then others who are highly skeptical of his jump shot, of his defense. Where do you land on LaMelo Ball?
0: I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm really not. And it has nothing to do with the off-the-court stuff, which I think is certainly a factor. Um, I, I think I've said this to you before people need to understand this isn't the same LaMelo ball who had had his hair dyed blonde and was wearing braces and was chasing his dad and brother around as they tried to create the big ball of brand. Like he's all grown up and he's a different guy now. And you know, he's about six, six, so he's still got to put on a lot of muscle. Um, so he's different. And I give him the benefit of the doubt from a character perspective, although those are certainly concerns. It's as a player. Like, I just don't, first of all, the league he played in, this is not Luka Doncic in the Euro League. I mean, this is, that Australian league he played in was not a great league. The team he played on was not a good team. Uh, And so there were a lot of things he was able to do that he's just not going to be afforded the opportunity or the leash to be able to do those things. Um, He is very creative. He can handle the ball very well for his size. Again, he's about 6'6" but his shot selection is wild. His decision-making is high risk, high reward. So it's going to lead to some plays where you say, wow, what a great intuitive feel he has. But at the same time, you're going to say, okay, wow. Like we just can't live with those types of decisions. So I'm not a fan. Um, I do think he's going to be a better player than, than Lonzo than his brother. But um, if I'm taking in the top three, top four, top five, I'm not going to take LaMelo ball. And I get people saying, you know, his talent and his ceiling and all of that. I've, I've seen the tape and I've watched them. Um, but there are other guys that I think I could plug in who, A, I, I would like longer term. Um, and B, I just think physically they project better than what the mellow ball projects as.
1: Chris, I love Obi Toppin. Love him. And now I, I know I'm told in the NBA draft you're supposed to want to go with youth and, and upside. At some point, we started looking at 22-year-old guys as being ancient. I also sometimes wonder if there's this expectation that guys just stop developing once they get to the NBA, which is certainly not the case. Um, I I talked to a couple folks last week, and and what I took away from it, too, is that people see this as, you know, I I hate to project it this way, but it is similar in certain ways. Anthony Davis, you know, you're talking about an obscure guard that nobody's recruiting. All of a sudden, you know, Obi shoots up seven inches and then he's 6'9", 220 with kind of a guard skill set. He's the Naismith player of the year. Is that, is three too high for Obi Toppin? Because I love him.
0: Yeah, it's too high, you know, again, because you're talking about a draft now. And that's not to say I don't like him, but you're talking about a draft now where, again, it is much more of a projective enterprise. So, you know, again, I think you could, like, for example, if you're Golden State, Golden State is different, Kyle, because obviously they are going to be ready-made as a playoff team, not necessarily a championship contender, but when you welcome back, obviously, Steph and and Clay Thompson to to that roster, you're going to be a playoff team. So you, you can draft, I think, strategically a little bit differently. If I'm Golden State, I'm okay taking Obi Toppin at two. Here's what I love about Obi. Um, Kyle, and this goes back to some of the things I was saying about, you know, for example, a, a, a Simmons or a Markel Fultz or even an Anthony Edwards. What, what Dayton did this year was historic. And it was, it was largely on the backs of Obi Toppin. Now, they had other good players, but the year that he had and the matchup problem that he was, it, it produced winning. It produced results, and I think there was a lot to be said for that. Um, look, he, he, like you said, he's got really good size. Um, I think we fell in love, you know, because we saw a lot of open floor dunks where he's going through his legs. He is not that good of an athlete in the half court. To me, he was always a little bit stiff. I think it affects his defensive ability. I, I do wonder how he's gonna guard or who he's gonna guard at the NBA level. Um, some of the things that they did uh, that his coach Anthony Grant did with him at date, posting him up, using him in pick and rolls. It's just not gonna go in the NBA the way it did in college. So, he is going to be a different player. But if you want maturity, you want an interesting skill set, you want a guy who can play multiple positions, you want a guy, for example, if you're Golden State, that you can plug in and, and he's going to make an immediate impact and not really rock the apple cart, then I love him there. If I'm Charlotte, I think there's other directions you can go. I'm not necessarily settling on Obi Toppin there at three.
1: Okay. Hey, a couple of quick things I'll let you go here. The international players, there are a couple, but the two that really stand out to, to most folks in this conversation, Denny Advia and, uh, and Killian Hayes. What what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. You know, I do like Advia. I, I think p- people need to understand, because I'm starting to see a little bit of Luka Doncic. Yep. And, well, that, you know, they are – Astronomically different prospects. Okay, like Luka Doncic was perhaps the most accomplished Euro player, international prospect to ever come into the NBA. He was a once in 20 years prospect. Uh, this is not hindsight. I said this before that draft. Uh, he he was special. He was different. Um, so Avdia is not Luka Doncic. But that said, he's six eight six nine with a pretty good feel. Uh, he's not a good shooter of the basketball. Uh, he's not nearly as physically gifted uh, as Doncic. He's going to have to put on some weight. But I do like him, and I like him a lot better than Killian Hayes. And I like him in the top five. I, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. He's not the centerpiece of a franchise by any stretch. But I think in the next two, three years, he'll be a very good starter in the NBA. Uh, Hayes is an interesting prospect. His dad was a great player. Uh, at, uh, at Penn state, uh, he was, his dad was playing professionally in France. That's why Hayes is an international player. It's why he is French. Um, so he's, you know, he's got sort of that feel. He's, he's got a bit of an American slash international game to him. Uh, he's got decent size, uh, but Kyle, he's very dominant left-handed. He's a left-handed player. He's very dominant to his left hand. Uh, he's got a lot of room to learn how to play the game of basketball as he should. He's a young player. Um, but I, you know, again, there are some other guys that I would, I would look to, uh, before I would go with Killian Hayes. I think he's a top 10 player, but, um, but he's got a long way to go before he makes an impact in the NBA.
1: You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I thought it was interesting that right before we came on with you, I saw you tweet about Luka Doncic and I'm I'm so glad yeah. you did because he's been incredible to watch and you're right. I mean, the Denny Avia he has been drawing some of those comparisons, but you know, I, I don't watch film the same way you do. I didn't see it. You know, I'm, just, I'm seeing people who are in that business drawing those comparisons. What is it about Luca that's made him this special? Is it the fact that he was playing pro ball at 16 years old? What what makes him the way that he is?
0: Yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of things that you can't teach that he has, you know. And I, I think, you know, back to your, your initial point there. And, and this is the point that I was trying to make. You know, based on the way that the, the NBA draft is done, it's easy to overlook a guy like Luca. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the translation of the European game and what league is he in. That's where I, I want to be clear and was, tried to be about LaMelo Ball and that league he was playing in. It. it was not a good league. Luca and to that respect, Denny Adria, who's playing you know for a very good Israeli team in a good Israeli league, the EuroLeague is the second best league in the world outside of the NBA. Luka Doncic, at the age of 18, was the MVP of that league. He won a championship. He was the finals MVP of the EuroLeague that year. Like, Luka Doncic was playing against grown men in the second best league outside of the NBA for three years. Uh, so that's what he was doing. And, and again, it, it's not to say he's got a very intuitive feel, he's got a great IQ. Um, I think he's a better shooter than people get him credit for. Obviously you saw that on, on display yesterday. Um, But people also have to understand like this guy arrived as an accomplished dude. So the fact that he was the rookie of the year did not come out of nowhere. We knew his name long before he arrived. And it was because he, at such a young age, he was a prodigy. He was a savant. Like he's one of those guys who can sit down at a piano and just start playing without looking at any music or really any practice. They just, he has that ability um, along with obviously really good size and, and a really good skill set.
1: Chris Patola, appreciate your time, your wisdom, buddy. We'll do this again soon. Thank you.
0: No, no doubt, Kyle. Be good, brother.
1: There you go. Chris Patola, ESPN college basketball analyst, former Duke assistant, former point guard at Army, joining us on the Technicom hotline. He's got a good eye, and that was a good conversation.